As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit won't you let me try? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a post-mortem edition of the Lazen Powers podcast. I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined, as always, by Scott Powers of The Athletic. Uh, the Blackhawks, in the wee hours last night, lost to the Golden Knights, uh, ending the series. They, they, were in, they were in the series. They won one, and they had three one-goal losses, but Vegas, clearly the superior team. And Scott, what, what, what's your biggest takeaway from what we just witnessed? I feel like we just recorded a podcast, didn't we? Like it, this it's the playoffs. We're doing a lot of these. <laughs> no, I know, but I just I was like, oh, well, we'll talk again when they maybe when they when they lose, and here we are. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's one like they shouldn't have been here, right? Like, so right. there's there's that element to it. But two, they beat the Oilers, which I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go down on paper. Um, you know, like they didn't win a official Stanley Cup playoff series, um, but they beat the Oilers, and there's benefits to that. You know, you saw. You saw Doc take steps forward. Um, arguably, Nylander and Boquist took steps back. So, like, there's still some of that, you know, like, the experience is good. But I think Boquist lost confidence in this. And ultimately, Nylander was sitting for the last game of the season. So, uh, you know, some of those benefits probably outweighed uh, themselves in some ways. I don't know. I, Vegas is is the bar, right? And the Blackhawks are pretty far below the bar. They played a certain way that allowed them to play competitive in it. And I felt like they played like they did a lot of the season where they capitalized on the chances when they had to. They got, uh, they gave up more scoring chances. They gave more high danger chances. And they still stayed in games. The goaltending needed to be great, and Crawford was. Um, but this isn't the model to to be successful next season in a couple of years. Like, something needs to ultimately change. I don't think you can play this style of hockey and expect results. So, 
Um, yes, it's it's positive that they they won a series and they got this far and we're even involved in the discussion. But I don't, aside from seeing some of the youth in, improve, I, I don't know if there's enough to say like the Blackhawks are contenders in a few years. Where you could probably have said that in you know 2008 or nine, you saw them building towards something, and I I just don't see that yet. Well, that's just it. I mean, we said going into this that it was a win-win for the Blackhawks, right? Either they're going to get a high pick or they're going to get uh, two playoff rounds. And they got the two playoff rounds, and there's a lot of value in that. And I think, you know, the benefit of Kirby Doc and some of these guys getting these minutes and even Matthew Highmore, you know, playing a major role in a lot of ways, these, there's a benefit to that. And I do think that that is worth sliding from what would have been ninth or 10th in the draft to 17th probably in the draft. I think that's a trade-off you're willing to make as a team to get that experience. But you're right. I just you – know, they beat Edmonton. Edmonton's pretty good, but they're not a Stanley Cup contender. I don't think anybody viewed them that way. Vegas is a Stanley Cup contender. They might be the best team in the West. It's them in Colorado, maybe St. Louis. Uh, you can easily see Vegas winning the Stanley Cup this year. And the Blackhawks are just light years away from that. Just because they were in these games. That, that's a credit to the team. It's a credit to how hard they work. It's certainly a credit to Corey Crawford. Uh, you know, These guys play hard for Jeremy Colleton, but they're not good. They're just not good yet. They were the 23rd best team in the league this year, and they looked like it. They were getting run out of the building half the time, no matter what the score said. That is not a... Uh, it's hard to envision this team making the leap next year to contender. I could see them making the leap to playoff team. You know, if Kirby Doc really becomes that number two center and they can somehow make the math work on Crawford and Strom and Kubalik, this team could be a seventh or eighth seed. You know, that's better than what they were the 12th seed this year. That's better. That's progress. But it's hard to see them going from six, seven, eight seed to one, two, or three seed. They're just miles away from contention. And the, the the aging curve on Keith and Seabrook and Kane and Taves and Crawford and it's 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 approaching and it's it's going to be precipitous. So I don't know how they make that work. The draft, I, I agree with you. The draft thing, like it, it didn't like like no one was going to lose games on purpose to get it. And but I think also time's going to tell. Like either the Blackhawks in five years are going to be really successful and we can point back to that this experience or that uh, they miss out on a number nine pick who's a you know like a, a an elite player and I, I so I, I think some of that's gonna you know it's eventually gonna be how good is this draft and we've heard a lot of good things about the talent in this and um and, and ultimately with the model that Stan Bowman is is latched onto is that it's pushing these young players and it's supposed to be having more young players be good because often they still need everything to align they need they need Kane and Taves and Keith and Crawford all to be relevant and, and good enough and have those younger kids emerge and, and be uh, yeah, be at that same level or, or above just so that they, they have enough overall talent. And the depth is an issue. Like, I, I don't, you know, like, the Brinkett had a down year. I don't think he's a worry. I, I think you have Kubalik, who's, uh, you know, obviously has an arrow pointing up. Um, Boquist, I don't know yet. Like, I don't, I, I think he, like, what we've seen, in, in scrimmages and prospect stuff, like he was an elite offensive player and he did things with the puck that no one else could do. And he's been tentative in the NHL. And some of it's, you know, the competition's level's different, but there's, there have to be some worries to, about his defense, like whether it's ever going to click. Like he's really young. Um, but some of the worries that, you know, they had about him in London or, or just even overall as a player, like he's yet to correct them. And he may, but... There, there's no absolute proof that he will. Like, I, I have more certain of what Doc's going to be. I, I don't know if Nylander ever figures it out. Like, you know, like it was, uh, again, it was just scrimmages in training camp, but 
I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks were, were thinking that maybe he turned the corner and that maybe he's going to be the player that we thought he could be. And then uh, he doesn't have a single point in the playoffs and it's a healthy scratch. Um, you know, like they, they don't, they obviously didn't believe in Secura or Hagel, who were arguably the two best prospects in training camp to even give them a, a chance. And they put Quinville out there, who um, he, he has some of those elements that Jeremy Colleton says with his size and physicality, but ultimately he. Played on the top line a lot this year, and he finished with zero points in the NHL this year, too. Like, I, I, there's a lot of questions about the depth, and, and then you add in the questions about Shaw and Seabrook, and I, and then the goaltending, you know? Like, even now, like, what do they bring Crawford back at? And um, who's the backup? I, I, I feel like there's so many questions that you added up where the Blackhawks could be worse next year. Yeah, it's feasible. I mean, you've brought up a few times, and you know, we we are, we're always talking about all these next generation of kids are coming in, Ian Mitchell and and all these great young defense, Lucas Carlson, all these great young defensemen. But you know, look, the, the NHL is a speed and skill league now. It is. It's not the 1980s. It's not the 1990s. You don't have to be huge and hulking and physical to win. But then you look at Vegas and like, and you look at St. Louis last year, and you think, well, there's still value in that. And the Blackhawks have absolutely none of it. And they have none of it coming up either. I mean, Kirby Doc's a pretty big guy. Uh, that's about it. They don't have a lot of size. They don't have a lot of physicality. They don't have the kind of team that can forecheck as viciously as Vegas can, that can have that effect and wear you down. And there is still a place in the NHL for that, clearly. I mean, Colorado doesn't do that, but Vegas does. St. Louis does. And these are good teams that can win a Stanley Cup. So I don't know... I don't know if, if, if the reinforcements that are coming in should make this team better, but can you have a whole bunch of 5'11 guys on the back end and, and win in the NHL? I mean, it seems like the Blackhawks are determined to find that out. You, you need elite talent to do it, right? Like Colorado is certainly smaller, but they have elite elite ski, speed and, and, and skill. And, um, you know, I look at like someone like Bodan, who who's who's obviously on the smaller side, and the way that he – and it's not even he's athletically skilled. It's – uh, he has attributes, but it's it's a lot of that he thinks the game at a different level. Um, and then you obviously have Bocas, who's very offensively skilled, but he's lacking confidence. Mitchell's a little bit more in between them, but I, I don't know how, how many of these guys you can put on the ice at the same time unless they're the elite level like Makar or something like that. You know, I don't think the Blackhawks have that guy, and maybe they develop into it. You know, like I'm not going to write someone off. I mean, it took Duncan Keith, you know, two or three years to crack the pros and, and Jarmelson, and these guys aren't finished products, but. Um, as of right now, they're not projected out to be uh, NHL stars. And um, and Boca's offensively, I think, can be that. But there certainly has to be just his, his defensive understanding, awareness, and his instincts are, are certainly off where um, you, you can, you know, he cost them a couple goals throughout this series. Like, if he wasn't there, um, you know, like, it just, it, it might have been a different story in a couple of those games. And I, and I think that has to be something the Blackhawks have to be concerned about at some level, like, can he play a top pairing next year? Maybe as a Mitchell more, you know, when we did our story today, you know, Mitchell may make more sense in the top pairing if he's ready just because he's a little bit more defensively sound. And, and maybe you, it's not, there's nothing wrong with putting a guy, you know, playing to his strengths. You know, they played Nick Letty to his strengths and, you know, put him in more often situations, you know. Duncan Keith was a nice security blanket for Bocas, but it also probably exposed Bocas somewhat because he was on the ice a bit, so... And it diminishes yeah. Keith's value, too, because he's spending yeah. all of his time trying to cover for for his partner rather than, you know, activating the offense on the other end. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason. They don't have a lot of space, and even now they have to buy out a couple of players to, to create some space. 
the 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 Olimata thing is is fascinating to me because all yeah. of a sudden, like he looked like he was your best defenseman in this postseason. Not just you know he was playing really well offensively. He's making plays. He was sound defensively from like you know mid January on with Slater Cuckoo as a good third pairing guy. If only he was a two million dollar guy instead of a four million dollar guy, he could be a piece going for. He's only you think of him as this guy who's been around forever. He's like 25, 26 years old. He's younger than Connor Murphy. So it's a shame that they they almost have no choice but to move Mod. I mean, maybe this performance allows them to trade him, which is certainly more appealing than buying him out. You don't have to worry about any cap hit at all, and you can get something in return. But it's kind of a shame that they finally found a guy who works in this Jeremy Colleton system, and they have almost no choice but to get rid of him. And, and which goes back to, like, they traded from Mata and DeHaan last offseason, you know? Like, it's... To, to be a team this next offseason and having cap space would be such a commodity because not only can you pay more than other people, but there's also there are a lot of organizations that are hurting financially and are going to get rid of contracts and um, may even take them out, like may trade someone who has value for someone who has a little bit shorter term contract because I think everyone's worried about uh, their financial futures, especially when they're tied to other businesses, you know, or even the Blackhawks and the Wurches, they have to be hurting because of their alcohol business, but... I think financially, I don't think it's going to hamper where their their cap is. But if the Blackhawks had, had committed to going young last summer, and, and I know that's the, the, what they're saying they're doing now, but if they actually committed to that and signed short-term deals last summer, they'd be in a different position. Because last summer, it was all about, we have a lot of cap space, and they ended up using it all. They they, they, they got Shaw and DeHaan and Mata. And, uh, you know, Leonard was a short-term deal in, in Carpenter, and they, they traded, you know, I understand why they traded Nisimov, but they brought back Zach Smith, who had the same amount of years left on it. Like, it was, they were all, yeah, just it gave them a lot of term, and, and it, it did what the Blackhawks like, which is financial security, and they like to have, you know, like they like to know what the set price is, but it also, it, it hampers your flexibility and and here you are and now you're gonna have to buy all pieces because uh, you know obviously no one is projecting a p- p- pandemic to come but it, it also just speaks to like how much of a hole you kind of put yourself in and kind of fasten yourself to because if you committed to so much last summer and that's the whole problem right is the blackhawks have no direction we've been saying that for years now you know, they love cost certainty that's like the bit ever since the panarin trade that's been the buzzword is cost certainty like we don't want to worry about three years from now we want to have a guy who's locked in for four or five years and that's why you trade jalmerson for murphy and that's why you trade panarin for sod is cost certainty and yeah artemi panarin would not have been on the blackhawks this year no matter what there's no way he was going to be on the blackhawks this year but they still have brandon sod so that's their argument and that's Wait, fine do, do you think do you, do you think if they don't give Seabrook the deal that like I look at Toronto like if they don't give Seabrook that deal Panarin is a possibility right was the Seabrook contract after the Panarin trade I mean you uh, could say if they, if they don't do the Seabrook deal a whole lot of dominoes fall in a different way that's obviously the the turning point the, the nexus point of when this did they announce franchise. the Seabrook deal was it uh... was that like back in 16 He's he's, yeah. he's he's like a and the Panarin trade was after the seventeen season. Every, everything goes back to the Seabrook deal. I know, but everything. I'm just saying, like the idea that like Panarin, like he, why couldn't they be Toronto and overpay for many people? You know, 
Well, because because of the Seabrook deal. I mean, you got you can't have three guys making eight figures. It's just okay. Well, I'm I'm just I'm revising history and saying if they don't do Seabrook, then it's not like yeah, you have to. Yeah, you could there. you could because you, then you'd have to fill in the cracks with all these entry level. You look at what Toronto's doing. It's exactly what they're doing. Is they've got a handful of great players on huge contracts, and then a whole bunch of you know entry level deals and cheap guys, and it's not really working for them either. As no. high end as their skill is, they haven't won a, a playoff series in I think since you know the Civil War. So I, I I would have liked my chances with the Panarin Kane though. Oh, absolutely! Of course, it would be nice to have him, but by the time that trade was made, it was impossible. So, but that's but but getting back to the point that the whole cost certainty thing is fine in theory, but it doesn't work in practice because, like you said, it hems you in. Now you're weighed down by these contracts with term because you you were worried about what guys' raises would be in a few years, and now you can't do anything. You're not really a rebuilding team because you have a lot of veterans on big contracts. They can't really rebuild until the end of the 2022-2023 season when Kane, Taves, Keith, Dabrinkit, all these contracts come off the books and the table is cleared. That's when you can start rebuilding. So this team isn't really in win-now mode, and it's not an authentic rebuild because they have too many veteran stars making too much money. They're just in this hamster wheel of doom, just running in place and not accomplishing anything. And that's why they need the Dominic Kubaliks and the PU suitors to come in and, and be 30-goal scorers because yeah. they can't go out in free agency and get anybody because you know they went out and they did it last year and they got three guys that aren't the answer, three injury-prone guys who aren't the answer? Zach Smith uh, or Calvin DeHaan, Oli Mata, and Andrew Shaw were not the answer here. They're all good players, all of them. They're good players, but they're not what the Blackhawks needed. They should have either gone young or they should have, you know, gone for some some you know some star power. Instead, they went and got middle of the road guys with a lot of term, and it was the wrong decision to make it. Last offseason, Leonard was a great uh, pickup, but last offseason was in general a disaster for this team. Two in a row. You go back to the Brandon Manning, Chris Kunitz oh, yeah. year. I think this that's is the two, worst, one of the worst offseasons. Two, ever. yeah, it's two very bad offseasons in a row. Stan Bowman does a lot of good things in the draft and in Europe, and he's he sustained this through that. But he's doing it in spite of himself. He's doing it yeah. to make up for his own mistakes because these summers have been terrible for him. The uh, that Zebra contract was announced in September of fifteen, which yeah, I, I always like, there's there's that window that's really strange for me because they win the cup and I, I went to Europe, ESPN sent me to Europe to cover Cup days, which was amazing, and then they laid me off. So there's like this August to like until the Athletic came along that I I don't feel like I was like I don't know I was like a, like a replacement player or something you know like I, I wasn't really on the Blackhawks speed. I was doing some freelance work. It was always it's always this weird window because I didn't. I, I really didn't care about the secret contract because I wasn't really working for him at that point. I mean that that contract came. I mean it was right after they won the cup, and it was like the it was like training camp where it's like a preseason game that they announced. I remember they brought Seabrook in uh, to the press box to do a, a scrum and or, or or Bowman. And the second it came down, like you understood, like okay, you're rewarding a, a guy who means a lot to this team, and you just won a cup. You've had three deep runs in a row, you know, throw the money around, whatever. But all of us, I remember it was a uniform, oh my God, they gave him eight years. Like, it wasn't the number, the 6.875 million, fine, whatever. For four years, all right. For eight years, I mean, the the, the moment it happened, everybody knew, like, well, this franchise is in trouble down the road. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. How, how much drama do you expect with with that in the with training camp? With oh, it's got to be great. It's going to be awesome, and the Seabrook story is going to be so fascinating next year because he is like, fuck you, I'm playing, and 
Colleton's like, oh, I got all these other guys here that I started playing ahead of you because you weren't good enough. But then you got Bowman like, you got to play him. He's 6.875 million. You can't, you can't have him be in the press box. It's going to be fascinating. Like the the NHL doesn't do the soap operas the way that the, like the NBA is so much fun in all these, you know, the, the drama and the psychodrama of it all. I feel like this is the Blackhawks' chance to have some of that because Brent Seabrook is not going to just sit there with a smile on his face if he's not playing. He's going to sulk. He's going to be pissed, and that's going to permeate the locker room because he's the guy who sets the tone in that locker room. And, and if he's pissed, if he can't hide it, if he can't mask that, it's going to it's going to permeate other people in that room, and it's going to be fascinating if he wants out. And you know, what if he wants to trade? Can he be traded? You know, what do the Blackhawks have to throw in to get someone to take that contract? And they'd still be eating probably $3 million in salary. It's going to be a fascinating dynamic. And God, what happens if he's good again? I mean, Brent Seabrook was a really good hockey player for a long time. And he's been spent the last 5-10 years battling a lot of injuries. What if he's good again? What if he's right? And he's like, I'm going to be rejuvenated by this. And I'm going to be able to move again. And I'm going to be faster. And I'm going to have my shot back. What if he's good? Can you play him over some of these guys if he's good? It's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch, and it's going to be the story that's going to dominate training camp and the first part of the season. I can't wait. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I feel like the the whole Leonard stuff happened so quickly that there wasn't there was like drama developing. You know, like he he didn't want to talk to the media, which was strange, and then he came yeah. out and he was all. You know, he was all he, he's, he's the closest thing the Blackhawks have had to that kind of NBA, NFL, you know, emotionally honest, open kind of with the media, you know, playing the media to his uh, advantage kind of player where, you know, he would let you know if he was pissed off. He would call out teammates for playing badly. Like, he was great for that. And I think, yeah, if they hadn't traded him and Crawford kept playing ahead of him, Leonard didn't like that. Leonard did not like that he lost his job for what he felt was undeserved reasons. Like, he didn't think he played himself out of the job. The problem was Crawford took the job. He was phenomenal, and, you know, Colleton was always going to play them, you know, even minutes, and then once one of them took the reins, you know, for a while it was Leonard, and Crawford had to sit there and bite his lip. And Crawford did a better job of biting his lip than Leonard did, and it was coming to a head. Like, Leonard was starting to talk about it when they moved him. So it was... That was an interesting dynamic. The Seabrook one is such a bigger deal, though, because of what Seabrook's meant to this organization for so long that if he's unhappy and if he feels he deserves to play, and it sure sounds like he's going to, uh, it's going to be just fascinating to see how Jeremy Colleton and Stan Bowman handle this. I actually thought if the Blackhawks pulled off the game last night, like they would have had a chance in the series because it would have created some goalie drama. And we saw how goalie drama... You know, like, how can it affect the room? And yeah. I, I thought it would have been interesting if the Black... Because Vegas would have certainly had to think about Flurry going back to Flurry if Leonard loses yesterday and gives up four or five goals. And, like, it would have... I think that was the Blackhawks' hope that, you know, we're going to not talk about Leonard, and hopefully Leonard and Flurry and that whole situation kind of implodes. And I, I saw this path where the Hawks won yesterday that it put some doubts and it creates some goalie controversy. And... Um, obviously it doesn't happen, but that I guess that was kind of what's going through my head as the Hawks were they led that game a few times. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it, it, it. You know, I kind of wrote that in, in our piece today, where it's like you could kind of squint and you could see. Well, maybe, just maybe, if they win this, you get that ball rolling downhill and you get in Vegas's heads. They, they, you know, as good as they are, they really haven't won anything other than flurry. Uh, it would have been interesting, but uh, man, even when they were playing well, they were still getting outplayed. 
I mean, like, the numbers are numbers. The, the whole series is just crazy. It like, was like I, se- like Vegas had like a seventy percent goal expected goals. Yeah. Like the almost every period of the of the it was just it was unbelievable the scoring chances they were getting and Corey Crawford was so good. But you but even despite that, it's hockey. It's a dumb sport. Weird things happen. You could almost see it. This the scoring chances ended up one hundred and fifty one to eighty eight for Vegas. In five-on-five play. That's, that's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. That game four, what was it, game four, when Crawford, I mean, it, it, it's, I've never seen a team get so dominated and win. It was ridiculous. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's hockey. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I would imagine that we, we get an idea here and, you know, I guess the offseason doesn't technically start until uh, until the playoffs are over, but I, I, I would think the Blackhawks start aligning things up with contracts and buyouts and, um. I have a, I think Crawford like as much as Cuba League's important and, and Strom like that that Crawford conversation either has to have to have already happened or has to be happening very soon about where things stand and I you know I I think two years for four million makes sense I you know I've heard that the Blackhawks four million might even be a push for them so yeah uh, I someone was you know I was talking to someone earlier today and it was even that like where would Crawford end up if it wasn't Chicago and I said I I think Montreal's the only other possibility in the person it said that, you know, they Montreal might have some space. And I said, you know, if, if he feels disrespected in Chicago and if he wants to, you know, like if he wants to go home and he certainly had success there and it would make a lot of sense for Montreal where they put so much on Carey Price that I'd go and get a Corey Crawford for a couple of years. And so I, I think that's I, the only I, other way this plays out. I mean, Carey Price makes so much money. Can you imagine a team putting, what, 14, 15, 16 million into their goaltending? And would Crawford? I mean, I know Crawford. He's a, he's a Shattagay guy. He, he loves Montreal, but you know, Price pays plays fifty five, sixty five games a year. Is Crawford going to be happy playing twenty games a year? So I I really genuinely think he's going to stay. I think they're going to make it work because he wants he wants two things. He wants to be in Chicago and he wants to be a starter. And he will be the starter. He'll still be the clear cut number one in Chicago. He will not be the clear cut number one in Montreal by any stretch. And and, 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 and if he's going to go somewhere where he is going to be a clear-cut number one, it's going to be on a bad team and a market he probably doesn't want to be in. So I think in the end, you know, logic prevails and Crawford takes a little bit less to stay. Uh, but the Blackhawks sure as hell need him to. Otherwise, you know, good luck with Tomas Grice or Anton Hudobin, whoever it's going to be. It's not going to be Corey Crawford and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, it'll be, this offseason will be interesting. I don't think there's going to be a lot of action, but the action they have is going to be very important to their, uh, yeah, to their success next year. Like it, it's, uh, it's going to be vital to that. Uh, yeah. Read our piece today. We, we try to, uh, I'm sure we've addressed some of it in our podcast, but we, we, the 10 questions that we, you know, we thought the most important in the Blackhawks under this offseason. And, um, I felt like we pretty, uh, yeah, we, I think yep, we got, and we got a lot of them. So. We've got more coming this week. Scott and I each have a couple of columns in the works. Uh, we'll do a live chat probably on Monday to wrap things up. Um, in the meantime, uh, make sure you listen to the Two Man Advantage podcast. In addition to Wednesday with Pierre Lebrun, Scotty Burnside is doing a playoff edition every day. Mon- well, not every day, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. It's released at uh, 9 a.m. Central Time throughout the playoffs. Uh, Scotty keeps you up to speed with all the NHL action, brings on some of the athletics' best hockey writers and also sometimes us. To help break down the games and look ahead. Um, so make sure you look for the Two Man Advantage podcast and check out our comment section for each podcast on the Athletic app and uh, rate us, subscribe us, uh, Laz and Powers us. on Apple. Rate us five stars. And if you click on the uh, show URL, theathletic.com slash Laz and Powers, you'll get 40% off a subscription. You can't beat that. 
No. Go get it. Um, you're buying a house. You you have to get a new car. You got a you got a busy off season. <laughs> yes, I picked a really bad month to to do all this. So yeah, I got a little bit of relief now that I might be able to focus on this whole process. But uh, it's been fun, man. This has been the weirdest year that any of us have ever covered. I mean, God, I, I mentioned yesterday Prague and Berlin. Doesn't that feel like a hundred years ago? God, yeah. That uh, was this season. It's even crazy. Like I, <clears throat> like January, February, like just having traveled somewhere. You know, like I mentioned in the column. The other day was just I saw a carpenter going to the All Star break in Florida, you know, and it's like, God, that happened in January. Like we actually were able to fly back then, you know. Like it, just, it seems so foreign the idea of even getting on a plane right now. So it really does. It's been weird, but uh, we thank you. I mean, we wrote a lot of stuff during the pandemic, and you guys all read it and subscribed, and we appreciate that. Um, you know, obviously, as a subscription-based business, we're dependent on you guys, and uh, we appreciate every single one of you that listens, that reads, that subscribes, that tells their friends and family about us, and. Uh, you know, we're just getting started. There's really no break in the uh, in, in the sports world, so the off season will be just as interesting. Well, as we may the, take uh, a small break. A small break, yeah. Small break. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, yeah. But luckily, there's two of us, so you can take a break and I can work. And... I say we both just disappear for a month and see what happens. See what Greenberg says about that. Johnny Hockey Bucks can write everything for us. For <laughs> yeah, let's have Greenberg just write all the hockey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but cool. Um, last one, another season down the books. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, continue to follow us in the athletic and all the bunch of stuff coming. Uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers, and take care. See ya. No, I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit.